Patrimai Achloisoisgos, Podlediad Consortium Canobach the Day. And the Podlediad Hun, but the Hinklawed, a Trouble Day Third Duidara and Bob Math of Bethe Arisk. Hello and welcome to SCOS, the Central South Consortium podcast. In this podcast, we'll bring you the very latest discussions on all things education. Hello and welcome to the latest Central South Consortium podcast. Today, we are going to be discussing the inquiry question, how has technology supported high quality explanations and modelling during a period of blended learning? Before we begin, I would like to start by making some introductions. My name is Graham Jones. I'm a Digital Development Officer for the Central South Consortium. We also have with us... Clarissa Brand. I'm Associate Assistant Advisor for Curriculum. Uh, Lloyd Thomas, I'm an Assistant Head Teacher and Year 6 Teacher in Radha Primary School in Cardiff. Uh, Robbie Owen, Head Teacher of Penabons Primary School in Bridgend. Bethan Ford, Deputy Head and Year 6 Teacher of Eskil Gymraeg and Iswen in Triorchy. And Dorian Oldfield, uh, Askel Athraig, Year 6 teacher and STEM lead. Okay, thank you all for the introductions and thank you all for joining us today. Um, so in today's podcast, we are going to discuss the inquiry question, how has technology supported high quality explanations and modelling during a period of blended learning? Now, it's really important to begin by considering why our inquiry group decided to focus on this area. The Education Endowment Foundation guidance report using digital technology to improve learning produced four recommendations. The second recommendation concluded that technology can be used to improve quality explanations and modelling. The use of technology is clearly a vital component in the blended classroom, but importantly, the use of technology allows practitioners to maintain the elements of excellent teaching and learning, be it in a physical or remote classroom. As a group, we decided to use an appreciative inquiry approach to unpick our inquiry question. Clarissa, please can you give a brief explanation of what an appreciative inquiry is? Yes, of course. Um, an appreciative inquiry is an inquiry process that focuses on what is working well. Um, it's called appreciative because it explores strengths and successes. It was first developed by David Cooper Ryder, um, an American lecturer, um, who looked very much at the importance of focusing on positivity and using positive um, situations that work well to drive change and to move forward. So when we're thinking in terms of school self-evaluation, we know that self-evaluative processes should form the starting point for any changes to our schools. And from evaluation, we're able to identify what's working and what might need to be refined. We then make assumptions about what we can change and the impact that change may have. But when we think about an appreciative inquiry, there are five stages. The first stage is the identify stage definition. This becomes the focus of the inquiry. And as mentioned previously, we focus very much here on what is going well in the school. What are the strengths? And how do we know those? Second stage is then looking at discovery. This is the appreciating stage. We find examples in this stage of what's going well and we identify the why. We also look at the common factors, why things are going well for our school and our learners. We then move on to the dream stage. And in this stage, we invest time thinking about what could be developed and what it could look like. 
This is the time at which we create our vision. The fourth stage, co-construction. What steps are needed to reach the vision? This is very much a strategic and practical stage. In this stage, you'd identify the required resources, the professional learning for staff that is needed to be able to move forward. And finally, the last stage is what we call the destiny stage. This is a real stage of innovation. The implementation stage where your vision becomes that reality. At the end of these stages, it is important to review, reflect and adapt as you would in any good school evaluative model. Now, currently, there are some appreciative inquiries that are ongoing with the health and wellbeing team. And Sonia Barnard, as strategic lead of health and wellbeing, is engaging with a number of schools, appreciating their strengths and weaknesses and identifying ways in which they move forward. And these case studies will be published later on in the year on the Knowledge Bank within the CSC Consortium website. Thank you so much, Clarissa. That's a very, very concise um, explanation on appreciative inquiry. What I'd really like to do now is hand over to Bethan, uh, who will discuss the focus of the appreciative inquiries uh, with our colleagues. So we all looked at how staff developed effective instruction and modelling during periods of blended learning in our settings. And then we decided on a focus for our appreciative inquiry. So Lloyd, would you like to introduce your inquiry, please? Yeah, um, my focus was on um, Key Stage 2 and um, primarily on literacy and how um, instructional modelling was used during the period of lockdown with a focus on uh, literacy within Key Stage 2. Um, yeah. Thank you, Lloyd. Robbie, how did, your, how did you choose your focus for your appreciative inquiry? Okay, uh, well, school closure forced us to transform um, overnight into an online learning organisation. So upon review, we identified that there could be many benefits of retaining many of the good elements that, that we uh, that we put into place um, throughout the periods of lockdown. Um, one of the strengths of the school before lockdown was actually the presentation and handwriting of people's works. And we identified that this was a bit of a lost art um, throughout and forced upon the children throughout the time um, doing online learning. So we wanted to regain that. Um, so we looked mainly at year four and um, to regaining the skills of handwriting within year four. Thank you, Robbie. Um, at Eskel and Eswen, during blended learning, one of our main priorities was to ensure that pupils continue to hear and use the Welsh language, especially the younger pupils who were in the early stages of learning Welsh as a second language. So we soon realised that modelling language for the pupils would be critical to ensure the continued progress with the Welsh language. So staff in the foundation phase began produ producing videos to share with pupils in order to model and explain phonics. And teachers and teaching assistants tried to think of fun and engaging ways to model language for the children, with a focus on practical activities using um, the home and the garden environment to engage the children. And we also had to consider the bilingual aspect of modelling and explanation so that parents and families could help the youngest children to participate and engage in home learning, considering that the main, the majority of our pupils come from English speaking families. So I chose to look at how technology helped with the modelling and explanation of phonics and early language acquisition in the foundation phase. 
as we felt this is a school that had been one of our strengths during blended learning. And we wanted to see how we could continue to build on this and use technology in the future to strengthen the homeschool relationship and to improve our provision of phonics when we return to face-to-face -face learning. Dorian, what was your focus for your inquiry? Hi, as well as right, we, during the lockdown, we did notice that a lot of the mathematical and, and numeracy uh, work we were getting back from the blended learning online um, was actually still uh, being accessed, but it wasn't developing, particularly the numeracy part of it. So the procedural maths was okay, but when the problem solving maths and other things like that, were, or the use of the maths uh, in other settings was there, it was it was a bit of a problem to develop and see, was it the setting, uh, was it the blend, blended learning approach, or was it actually just because um, the children weren't engaged because of the setting at home, really. Um, so, so we focused on using maths and numeracy in progression set three at our place. Okay, thank you for that, Dorian, and and thank you all. Actually, some very interesting, appreciative inquiries there. And I think what I'd really like to do now, and if Chris, if you'd mind leading on this, is actually really look about why these approaches were effective. They're really making sure we're looking at the, the pedagog pedagogical approach. Um, and why the work that you've done was effective in your settings. So Clarissa, over to you. Yes, definitely. Yeah, really looking forward to finding out a little bit more. So I wonder if I could just start with, with Lloyd. What would you say, Lloyd, were the key features that, that made it successful, that made um, your approach to literacy successful? OK, um, as part of this, we were uh, referred to two pieces of research. One was by John Hattie. And he said that in order for modelling to be effective, it must go beyond the teacher simply demonstrating. And there was another one, um, a gentleman called Steve Barkley, that wrote about the I do, we do, you do. So I think very often what we were doing initially, um, when we I had a focus group of pupils and they looked at teachers' examples, and the, the ones they found most effective were ones that were bite-sized, that, that broke up their learning, so they gave them a task, they stopped it, they paused it. And then they carried on the learning. Um, I think this worked really well because it allowed time for the we do element. I think a lot of the less effective modeling was when teachers would model, but they wouldn't give pupils a chance to practice. And I think it's that element that's almost really important and quite essential. Yes, it's that pause, isn't it? It's that pause and that chance for a learner to respond and then to be able to move their learning forward. Yeah, no, yeah, thank absolutely. you. Absolutely. And it, it also, sorry, uh, Clarissa, it, it allowed them as well then. So when the teachers were pausing and come back in, it allowed them to feedback on misconceptions, which obviously during live teaching, it's quite easy to focus on misconceptions. But when you're doing it in a distance element, it is tricky and it does produce some problems. But there were certain ways people, uh, teachers did it that was a really effective. There was one lesson where year five looked at speech marks and they modeled it. They showed the pupils how, it, how, how effective and how it's supposed to look. They gave them an example and then they asked pupils to carry up the example and they paused the video. So then when they brought it back, they could look at misconceptions because quite often they were put in the he said in, within the inverted commas. And because they picked on the misconceptions, it allowed them to do really well that I do, we do, you do, because once they then focused and drilled down those misconceptions and the mistakes they were making, when they went on to independent practice, they were in a much stronger position in order to do so because they'd had it really, really clearly modeled, but also they'd had time to practice as opposed to just modeling and then going on to independent practice. It was that we do, so they did it together 
which meant they learnt and then could apply their learning to future practice, which was really, really effective. And then the best cases that we, we looked at with pupils and we looked at with staff, those were some of the really, really key learning points from the lockdown. Yeah, I could imagine what a great opportunity when we know how difficult it was online to be able to target particular areas that needed to be addressed. So that sounds really successful. And um, I wonder whether, Bethan, you might be able to explain how and what pedagogy influenced your practice, um, particularly as you were talking about the importance of exposing and immersing your, your learners in the Welsh language. So what pedagogy would you say influenced your practice? So we used a mixture of um, live lessons and pre-recorded lessons. The live lessons were important and um, to give the children an opportunity to speak Welsh themselves and to each other. Um, so that was the main focus of our live lessons was for the children to be communicating through the medium of Welsh. And then with the pre-recorded lessons, um, the staff produced videos concentrating on explaining a certain letter or a sound or a blend of the week. So obviously, ideally, this would be done face to face, but we had to overcome the challenges of blended learning. So they developed videos with the, the staff, the picture of the staff on the video so the children could see the, the lips moving and forming the shapes because certain letters are hard to hear or they sound similar. So the fact that they could actually see the teachers forming the, the letters themselves with their lips really helped, especially with double letters, which can be often be misheard. And the fact that the pupils could see and hear the teachers modelling the sounds meant they were more likely to, to pronounce them correctly themselves. Yes, the definitely. Also, the pupils also had a chance to send videos back of themselves either saying the sounds or writing the sounds so that the teachers could um, deal with misconceptions or correct the children as well during the blended learning. Did you find, Bethan, that that supported the home links as well when you were giving those examples in that way? Yes, it definitely um, strengthened our homeschool relationship because usually the parents wouldn't be, um, wouldn't see the videos, wouldn't see the teachers making the sounds and introducing blends so the, the parents could also help the children to support them with their tasks and um, we also found that maybe some parents who had been through Welsh medium education themselves and had lost their confidence to speak Welsh they regained that and they we could hear them on the videos communicating in Welsh with their children whereas they wouldn't usually be doing that. Oh, that's a real positive. That was, I'm sure that was really lovely to hear. So, Robbie, can I just move to you now, particularly as there may be some similarities there with what Bethan has shared. What pedagogy influenced your practice with, um, with your work with developing handwriting? Hi, uh, yeah. So um, the teachers provided uh, pupils with a series of assignments that they could access independently using our chosen digital platform. Um, the assignments were pitched to each pupil's uh, stage of learning within handwriting uh, and pupils were able just to, to access whichever stage and, and task that they required. Um, to create the handwriting assignments, the teachers used the screen recording features on a tablet device and then coupled with a stylus, they were able to um, replicate uh, a pen and pencil, if you like, um, as in sort of um, more traditional format, if you like. Once that visual had been created, the teacher would then edit the video to include an audio commentary. Um, with the, the key part of this was to include a lot of detail to ensure that 
uh, pupils were able to access this independently and were able to, as 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 colleagues have said, iron out misconceptions as the audio instruction was 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 um, was being delivered. Um, the models assignments are, re are kept really short um, just to ensure that uh, the pupils remained engaged throughout. That was another key feature that um, we didn't want the pupils watching and watching and watching. We wanted them to sort of watch, have short bites and, th and then have a practice themselves. Mm -hmm. um, modeling in such a way allowed the teachers to break down more complicated handwriting skills and the more complicated letter formations um, just to ensure the pupils um, were able to grasp it at their at their own pace. Um, also, providing the audio commentary over the visual ensured that we were uh, meeting all three uh, learning styles: the visual, auditory, and kinesthetic learning styles were all addressed through through these little tasks. Um, so, yeah, that was that was our approach. But again, um, to mirror what Beth had said, is that we we found that the home learning links were were really beneficial as well because our chosen digital online platform. Um, allowed for pupils to access this at home as well so um it was it was benefiting both home and school practice yeah strong links that we've developed as a result a real positive step forward i wondered dorian if i could just come to you now within this section while we're thinking about how it was effective how, what, how would you say uh, the technology supported you with with your approach um developing the the numeracy aspect that you focused on uh, well, we wanted to build on what we had uh, successfully, as you said, in, uh, uh, done during lockdown, really, with the, with the computers and everything else at school. We're quite well versed, and over the last few years, we've put a big bank in each classroom of the technology. So we wanted to make it almost part of a, it's not the, the fact that it's an isolated task, it's just part of the learning itself. So I wanted to promote the fact that it, we've we started to go to a, a one-third carousel. We'd have a teacher group an independent group and then you'd have a technology learning group as well so uh, there's uh, usually nine children on on the technology whether it's a mini mac or uh, the ipads in the class with their own headphones to make it that independent we wanted to drive independent learning so that the modeling of it was really important really some of the things that people have already uh, stepped upon um particularly the the kind of misconceptions being pulled up by having the interactive videos so if you're having a video having the introduction particularly as an interactive one which they stop then they have a go at themselves, then they press play again, and then they look at the actual work and then they can almost spot their own. You're almost asking them to spot where they've made the mistake as well. So it's the self-assessment came in. Um, we also have a mixed ability group as well. So every group is mixed ability when they go to this. So they drive their independent learning um, and they'd have three levels of work in the focus task, in the independent task, or on this digital task, um, particularly the procedural maths. Um, so they initially, when they go in, that's it explained to start the video. Misconceptions about that's already um, discussed. So they already know where the targets are and what they're going to try and hit during that lesson, really. Um, the success criteria is also to uh, isolate what the steps of each procedural maths is as well. So they can see very clearly, even on the written part of the assignment or the typing part of the assignment, whether whichever format they took it had the steps they could have so they could isolate actually the parts they really needed to drill down on and the, the EVIs we called it, even better ifs um, they could do. We did find it was really flexible, the videos, we, because we posted a, a small introduction one and then three very small ones, uh, the staff involved, a mild, spicy and a hot, so the children chose the one they were going to go to rather than having to go through all of it and then choosing one. It, it did make it a faster uh, process and a shorter one uh, because I felt that they engaged them more early. Um, 
development of your own feedback is kind of still ongoing really because peer assessment you're only as good as what you know really as, as a child because uh, the, the age stage but it has developed I think verbally because when we rotate from another carousel and we ask them to feedback whether live or make a video we've had a couple of children make videos for the others to go in on and have a look at themselves and of what would make them successful what would the experts give you tips on on this and not explaining the task but explaining what things you need to really concentrate down on so that, that's come on really well and yeah the very big positive was as some of you have mentioned the platform use because it was familiar during lockdown this was actually going home as well with them um, so it was drilling down and actually sharing that with other people. Um, and one last thing, really, I think it, it was the fact that we started off with the first thing we focused on was procedural uh, maths that we previously taught maybe about two or three weeks before. So it was almost like a refresher session to get them comfortable. Then we've got some more independent and things that they haven't been taught for about a year or so. It's kind of like the Jim, Jerome um, Bruner kind of approach to spiral education, really coming back to it. So that so, so that coming down and a brand new one. And we've now moved on to the fact we're using it in, in, in a different setting, whether it's linked to topic or cross-curricular. So it was really transferable, the the use of maths. And that's what we really wanted to see was actually if we gave them a problem solving or transferable nature of it. It was like planning a trip to New York on this um, lovely journey. And they had to do all these different elements and put them all together from lots of different mathematical situations, really. And they managed it and presented it. It was really, really lovely. So it has been successful in that form. Yeah, it definitely sounds it. Lots of positives there. Empowering learners to move their own learning forward is such a huge part, isn't it, of learning. Thank you, Dorian. Yeah, and thank you to Clarissa for leading on that. Some really, really interesting discussions there. And I, I think we can see that how technology enabled the elements of excellent teaching and learning to continue. You know, the pedagogy remained. As I said, the elements of teaching and learning remained. So finally, what I'd like us to do is really consider the implications now. How, how are we going to take all of this excellent work that we've been doing and use it in, in the classroom in the future? So how do you intend to embed the effective practice we've discussed into a lasting model of blended learning? Bethan. Um, so although hopefully um, distance learning is coming to an end now, we're still we're hoping to build on the homeschool relationships using the same online platforms. So the teachers are continuing to post videos, modeling sounds and blends so that the parents are more aware of what they're doing in school. Um, and they've also moved on to making videos to model and explain some of the intervention, the language interventions we use with small groups of pupils, which the parents really appreciate that they know how, how to help their children to improve. And we've also moved on to different areas of learning. So rather than just concentrating on the phonics, they've also tried to use the same um, ideas for maths explanations and modelling as well to share with the parents. And that's the thing, once those sort of videos are there, they're there to be used, aren't they, now and in the future as well. So it's a fantastic resource that people have created that they can dip into. Uh, so does anyone else uh, like to sort of discuss how they continue, uh, they're, they're going to use this into a la lasting model of blended learning, what they've learned? Uh, Robbie. Uh, yeah, so as, as I've mentioned, we, we've sort of primarily focused on year four and it's been so successful with the, with the pupils there, with the feedback from the children, that we are now looking to roll this out throughout the school. Um, we think it's got benefits even for the year, early years when they, 
um, the precursive patterns and shapes can be really challenging for those pupils. So, so to practice in such a way using sort of interactive whiteboards, um, tablet devices with styluses, and obviously pencil and pen as, as most important as well. But um, to, so we have a, we will look to roll out in the in the early years, um, and then obviously once they've got those, pre, those precursive patterns, the shapes of the letters and various drawing techniques should should come from, from there then. Um, we will look to roll it out across the school, um, sort of decreasing the amount of, um, of modelling, if you like, as, as the children acquire the skills, um, and then sort of really aiming towards um, sort of even looking at dictation and things like that towards the end of year six, where the children will, will have short, sharp activities. So we, we create a whole um, scheme and a, and a whole school approach to, to handwriting using effective modelling. Okay, thank you for sharing that, Robbie. Very, very interesting to see how you're using the lessons that you've learned to secure further school improvement. That's fantastic to hear. Um, Dorian, Lloyd, um, do you have anything else to add in terms of how you intend to sort of take what, what you've learned? Um, Dorian? Yes, um, as I said, some of the, the work we, we did in it was quite transferable, I felt, for others, as other subjects. For, and even in the last month now, we we have targeted other kind of topics, areas of learnings or, or other other parts of literacy. Even um, we, we did a session on a historical session with Martin Luther King, where they were actually looking at not just the videos of ourselves, but the live videos of his speech and things like that. And then bringing that into actually the writing of their own, where they also then shared. And then that went on to the next carousel group. So even the children producing some of the things for the next group to almost add to or go to um, was was rather lovely. Um, even to the point where you're using it in in, in music, uh, using GarageBand or something like that, we were just showing them the different demonstrations using online resources also to supplement it, but only showing it in small snippets really for learning small bits where they produce their own raps and other things now, which is which is rather lovely. Um, so it, it is really transferable, and what a focus for ourselves are it might be that the fact they'll start to bring uh, create their own digital learning portfolios because as I mentioned earlier that's your own Bruna where they constantly revisit and see where we talked about a bank of resources ourselves for mm. us to share but if the child has it at their disposal where was I last week where can I be can I refresh on what I did previously to where I'm going next really so it is almost having their own portfolios where hopefully going forward they'll have on the online platform they've got that portfolio they can always go back to uh, whether it be they organise their own folders and they say, actually, this is that's a part of maths I need, or this is the bit of literacy I did on poetry. So I want them almost going back on themselves and saying, last year I did this, so I know I can do this, and I'm going to go on a bit next step, really. Thank you so much for sharing that, Dorian. Um, so Lloyd, is there anything you'd like to add? How you, uh, what the implications in your in your setting are? Yeah, um, I think the one good thing that's come from it that we've noticed with the pupil skills is that IT skills have just gone through the roof as a result of the period of lockdown. And it's it's almost the period we were at before that, we wanted to develop their IT skills. And as a result of the lockdown and being home learning, they have developed. But now it's that independence which you want to bring back into the classroom. And something that Clarissa was talking about with the pedagogies is it's moving away from that direct instruction and teacher leading learning and it's building those independent skills the foundation phase principles within key stage two um pupils making choices for themselves pupils identifying what they need to do and how they need to do it and making those decisions for themselves as, as opposed to being led by a teacher and i think the big thing for us is how 
the pupils have come back after almost two years of, of lockdown and being working via a screen and it's making sure we keep that independence and keep that developing that even further because it's been an amazing springboard and the IT skills have gone through the roof as a result of it but it's now making sure when they come back into a bricks and mortar classroom that they're not then losing those independent skills and we revert into type that we were before and we're not just going back to the direct instructions and um, we're still giving pupils the opportunities to express themselves and to show their creativity and their freedom and making choices for themselves really so it's, for the big thing for us is making sure we retain that independence in our pupils. Yeah, absolutely. It's really taking all those you know, excellent lessons that we've learned and that you've used in your settings and bringing it back to that to the sort of the classroom as it is now. Um, but I think certainly we can all agree that we've had lots of fantastic discussions uh, this morning. Is there anyone else would like to add anything else before we conclude? Okay, it's fabulous. As I said, we we've had lots of fantastic discussions, lots of food for thought. Now, as part of this podcast, and indeed the wider picture of the appreciative inquiry, we will circulate some of the research our inquiries have produced. So please keep an eye out for this, as well as our next podcast produced by the Central South Consortium team. Uh, once again, I'd like to thank all of you here for your hard work on this project, and I'd like to thank all of you for listening as well. If you wish to contact the digital team, please email Matthew Humphreys at matthew.j.humphreys at cscjes.org.uk or myself, graham.jones at cscjes.org.uk. We'll be happy to answer any questions you have or indeed put you in contact with any of the participants of today's podcast. But once again, thank you for listening. Cofiwch yn dilyn ar Twitter a Facebook, tan ysgrifio i'n sianel YouTube, ymuno yn cymunedau ar ein gwefan a darllen ein bulletin ysgolion wythnosol a mynywyddion dwi'n araf. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sgwrs. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, join our online communities via our website and read our weekly school bulletin for the latest news. Hwyl y mytro. Bye for now.